You know, we say amen in our worship. We say it in our prayer. If you don't know what that word means, it just means let it be so. When we're saying that, we're saying, God, whatever it is that you're doing in me, whatever it is you're doing in my city, in my community, I'm on board with it. So when we say amen, we're telling God, I'm all in. So that's why we say that. That's just bonus. That's not part of the message today. So anyway, it's good to see you all today. I'm glad nobody died in all the many explosions that there were downtown last night. I know it's a good time and it's fun to, to check it out. Very cool to see all the, the fireworks and all of that. But uh, it's also fun to come back and, and say, you know, it's time to get back on and, and get back on w with what God's doing in my life. So today I've got a message for you all and it's entitled Recalculating. Now, when I was a kid and we'd hop in the car to go on a road trip, I mean, it was like I would just turn my, head, my mind off, you know, because I wasn't the one driving. I didn't have any responsibility to get us from a, point A to point B. So for me, I would just get in the car. Most of the time I had my nose in a book and, and we would just ride. And, and, and next thing I know, I'd look up and we'd be wherever it is we were going, whether it was Walmart down the street or if we were driving three states, three states over to visit family. Um, either way, I wasn't the one in charge, so I didn't pay any attention at all. But then I remember when I turned 16 and I started driving myself, it was like I had to start paying attention because pretty soon I was going to be driving myself. You know, mom and dad weren't going to be getting me to where I needed to go. And so I quit putting my nose in a book and I started watching, okay, I need to turn left at this gas station and I'd turn right into this uh, subdivision or whatever it was. And I started paying a lot more attention. And especially if I was going to go on a long trip, I would even uh, go on uh, and try to find maps. Now, online wasn't as much of a, of a thing, but we had atlases. So especially if I was driving long distance, I'd get out that atlas and I'd try to trace out my route. I need to make sure I get on this interstate headed west and this one headed south and, and it's going to be this many miles in between. And so I got to know my city and I got to know the state geography and the road systems pretty well over time. But now we're in a place where we just have GPS, where we just punch in the address and it'll tell us where to go. So you'd think that we would be able to get from point A to point B pretty easily. But the problem is, is we don't always follow the directions the way we're supposed to, right? Anybody ever had that experience? You're, you're not paying attention, you're jamming to some music, or you're talking to, to whoever's in the car with you, and you end up missing a turn. Or, or maybe just my phone overestimates my ability to, to judge what is 900 feet, you know? Uh, it'll say, turn left at 900 feet. I'm like, I, I don't, I've got one foot, you know, but I don't know about the other 899. But the point is, is like, even when we don't make the turn that we're supposed to, it is smarter than we are. What does it say? It starts saying recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. And then finally it'll pop up and it'll say turn left, dummy, you know. And, and so it points us the way we need to go. Now, how does it do that? It has satellites up in the sky where it pings and it knows exactly where you are. It has maps that are programmed into the software so it knows that this street is one way and that one uh, uh, connects with this other street. It has all of these resources that it uses to point us where we're going. Now, we have the same thing. We have resources in our life that will help point us in the way we're going. Now, I don't know about you, but I have especially as I've gotten older, I've realized I don't want to just go through life from day to day stepping through without doing it intentionally. I want to make sure that the things I do, the decisions I make, the, the things I invest myself in are the things that are going to get me to the place where I want to be at the end of my life. Now, some of us, we turn to God as a last resort. You know, we try to, we do everything ourselves, we try everything we know to do, and then once it's all done, once we've exhausted all of our possibilities, that's when we turn to God and we say, finally, God, what would you like me to do? What way do I need to go? What, what direction do I need to take? And so for some of us, it's that last resort. Others of us, we get so lost in, in I've got to have guidance from God that we don't make any decisions at all. We sit around and we'll waste our lives waiting for God to split the sky open and tell you, hey, this is the thing you should do. 
You know, I, I used to joke around with a, a, a friend of mine when we were in college and he would be dating. He was so picky about the, the, the girls that he would go out on dates with. I said, well, at this rate, you're not going to even have a, a, a girlfriend because there's nobody. You're waiting for God to open the, the heavens and say, this is the one. You know, that, that's not going to be how, how it works. We just have to function and, and live our lives in a way where we're using God as a guidance system and he will direct us in the way we should go. And so we're going to start with this scripture today in Psalm chapter 48, verse 14. I think we have it for the screens there. Uh, this is what the psalmist writes. He says, for that is what God is like. He is our God forever and ever, and he will guide us until we die. I'm going to read that again because it's short, but it, it's, it, it's right on point for what we're talking about today. For that is what God is like. He is our God forever and ever. And he will guide us until we die. I take comfort in that because I know that if I have to figure everything out on my own, I'm not going to get it all right. But I can know that God is going to be with me and he's going to guide me. And so we're going to talk a little bit today about what are some of those resources. God doesn't direct us with, with satellites and with atlases, but he does give us some, some tools that can help us know what it is that he's asking us to do and help us live our best life. You know, that, that's a phrase that's come up recently. We talk about, oh, well, he's just living his best life or she's just living his best life. Well, if we think about it, the things that God is asking us to do, what's he trying to do? He's trying to help us live our best life. And if we will live our lives according to his principles, we'll find that it works out so much better and it works out so much more in our favor. So I'm just going to go through. We've got five different things that God uses to guide you. And the first one is the commanding scripture, commanding scripture. See, God gives us commandments all through his scripture. And, and that is our number one tour guide. That is our atlas. You know, uh, we all have the map apps on our phone, but there's something different about breaking out a paper map, laying it out on the table and tracing it with your finger. You can see it's something different about it. And it's the same way with the Bible. When we, we think we can get the Bible in little snippets, you know, you might get it from your word of the day that pops up in your Instagram feed and it gives you one Bible verse. And that's great. It's great to have little snippets that come up from time to time. But sometimes we just got to get in the book and we got to figure out what is it that God is trying to say to me. And so there's a passage in Luke chapter 19. This is a pretty famous one. It's where Jesus, he goes into the temple and he discovers that they're, they're selling uh, they're, they're, they're changing money and they're selling animals for sacrifices in the temple, which was a great sign. It was disrespectful, uh, really. And we talked about this in our Bible study a few weeks ago. They set up the outer courts, which that was the only place where the Gentiles were even allowed to go. They weren't allowed to go. If you weren't a Jew, you weren't allowed to go into the temple. And they took this place that was the only place where, where the, the Gentile people could go and worship. And they turned it into a marketplace. And can you imagine if you came in here and we're trying to worship, but there's some dude in the back saying, you know, hey, I got, I got hot dogs for sale, you know, and, you know, come get your pretzel or whatever it is, it, like at the ballpark. It would be very distracting and you wouldn't be able to worship. And that's why God was, or why Jesus was so upset because he's like, look, people are coming here. They're trying to get uh, in God's presence. They're trying to worship. They're trying to, 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 to give God the, the glory and the honor that they're doing and you are so worried about making a little money on the side that you have stopped people from being able to do that. But here's what he said in Luke chapter 9, verses 45 and 46. It says, Then Jesus entered the temple, and he began to drive out the people selling animals for sacrifices. He said to them, The scriptures declare my temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. What was driving that? Jesus knew the scripture. He knew that this place was supposed to be a holy place. This place was supposed to be a place where you come, it was a special occasion. You came, you, you always went to the temple on festival days. You went there to celebrate, to worship God, to present your offerings to him, to let him know how grateful you were for him. And so he knew that the, that the, the temple of God was a special place, and yet they weren't giving it the honor that it was due. And because he knew the scripture, he knew what it said. It said, my temple is supposed to be a house of prayer because he knew what the scripture said it was supposed to be. And then he saw what it actually was. And he saw that those two things didn't line up. He was on fire. He was hot. 
And that's why he went in hot. But listen, Jesus did not shy away from that confrontation. He went in. He knew it was going to cause a ruckus. He knew people were going to be upset with him. I mean, you can't go in and turn over someone's table. You know, if you went down to the, to the farmer's market and started flipping over all the tables, someone's going to get mad at you, right? That's my stuff. It's my junk that I don't want anymore, but I was going to sell it. That's my stuff. You can't come in here and do that. But Jesus didn't shy away from that because why? He had the scriptural standard. He knew how it was supposed to be. And so he knew that, hey, this is something important enough that we need to not shy away from the conflict. We need to call that truth into being. His mission and his conviction were grounded in a very clear understanding. You know, now if he walked in and he said, oh, well, what's this temple? I don't know what this place is. You know, this is a pretty big building. It's pretty neat. It's got, we got brick walls and fancy lights and all kinds of things. This is a pretty neat little place that we've got where we can come together every week. But when you understand that, no, this is more than just a building. It's a holy place. It's a place where we enter into God's presence. Then that's why he was able to stand forth like that. Scripture is also our clearest form of direction whenever we face temptation. And we're all going to face temptation from, from large things, you know, with dishonesty and, and should, should I be an ethical person? Should I do things the right way? All the way down to should I eat that cookie that's sitting there? We face temptation in its many forms. And when we look to Scripture, Scripture gives us the, the ammo that we need to face those temptations. In uh, Mark chapter 1, it says that the, the Spirit compelled Jesus to go out into the Spirit, and that while he was there, he was tempted by the devil. And each time the devil came to him and tempted him in one way or another, Jesus was right there with a the scripture that said, no, 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 listen, you're trying to twist things. You're trying to, to get me off on the wrong path. You're trying to take me in a direction that God doesn't want me to go in. And how do I know it? I've got this scripture that's telling me. That's why we spend so much time in kids' church trying to learn those memory verses. And, and the kids, they just soak it up. They know it. They're, they're proud because, man, I got a point for my team. Or, man, I'm going to get an extra piece of candy. But I'm just hoping that someday that that little, bit, that little seed of truth that's been planted in them will guard them and protect them from making a decision that will have a negative impact on their life. So when we take that scripture, when we study scripture, that is the clearest way that we can know what God is wanting to do in our life. Now, it's, it's become uh, fashionable lately to take Scripture and say, well, I don't like all of it because it doesn't all apply to me. Well, it's true. We're, most of the Scripture was written in an agrarian society. We're not all farmers now. You know, we, we don't all raise sheep and, and, and all of those kinds of things. And, and the society that they lived in is very different than the one we live in today. And so we can't just take it and make a one-to-one -one comparison, you know, because I can't open up the, the Bible and it won't tell me how many hours I should spend on Instagram every day. You know, that, that's not the way the Bible works, but it will give me principles that I can know. Now, here's the problem. Our society likes to pick and choose the things we like out of the Bible. And, and here's the thing. When we start picking and choosing and we turn everything into just a subjective buffet, anybody ever go to a buffet to eat? The nice thing about a buffet is you don't have to decide what you want to eat today, right? Because you roll up and there's eight or nine or ten options and you go up and you say, well, I'll have a little bit of that and a little bit of this and I'll take that one. I like that. And ooh, that's gross. I'm not going to have that. You know, or some people just think all of buffets are gross. I don't know. But the thing is, it's like you go, go in and you just pick and choose what you want. But that's not how we get to treat Scripture. When we do that, it undermines everything in our faith. This has to be the number one resource. This has to be the rock that we build everything else on. If you don't have that foundation that holds you firm, then how can you stand when the trials come, when the storms come? few weeks ago we had some wind storms that came through here and anything that wasn't tied down it was probably three houses over and that's what's going to happen life's going to come and it's going to try to pick you up and, and turn your life into a chaotic mess but if you're tied down and if you have that solid foundation in the word you're not going anywhere um, there's a story told of, of, a, of a music artist he was traveling with Johnny Cash and, and Johnny Cash is an interesting figure he, he is a he's a man of contradictions right because he had a firm faith that stayed with him his whole life. If you don't know who that is, that's the man in black. That's the man who walked the line and, and sung, sung Ring of Fire and, and A Boy Named Sue and all other kinds of weird ones. Uh, but anyway, Johnny Cash, he, he struggled in life. It was not an easy life for him. You know, if you read anything about his early life, his, his father was, well, he was a character, you know. And it's no wonder that Johnny turned out a little bit strange. 
But he also had a mother who was a prayer warrior and who uh, taught him to look to the word. And so throughout his life, even though he struggled with infidelity and, and, and uh, substance abuse, he, he got hooked on pills. Um, they, they were driving 500, 600 miles a night back before there were interstates just to get to the next gig. And what were they doing? They were popping amphetamine pills. And he got hooked on those back in the 50s. And it stayed with him for his entire life. He'd get clean and then he'd fall off the wagon. He'd get clean and he'd fall off the wagon. But I'll tell you what never failed and what never went away was that he always knew, I need to get my nose in the Bible. I need to read the scripture. So the story goes is that he was on tour with another musician and, uh, and every night at, at, at a certain time, he would say, hey, listen, guys, it's been fun. We had a great show tonight, but it's time for me to go read my Bible. And so even though he was a man who's, who tripped and stumbled throughout the way and along the way, he knew I've got to get my nose in the word. I've got to study the word. And he did. He studied. He actually went and, 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 went, and, and went to Bible school so that he could understand scripture better. And the thing is, is if the Bible, if, if, if Johnny Cash wasn't too cool for the Bible, then you're not too cool for the Bible, right? Because I don't think anybody in here is as cool as him, right? So, so the point is, is that if we have that commanding scripture in our life, it gives us a foundation and it gives us a guidepost. It helps us know. So that has to be step one. That's step one. The second thing that God gives us in our life, if we're going to follow things and live according to his purposes, is he gives us a counselor spirit. In John chapter 14, verse 26, it says this, But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything, and He will remind you of everything that I've told you. I'm so grateful for that. I'm a pretty forgetful person. Anybody else in here forgetful? I have to have my reminders. I, I sit down every morning and I have to make my to-do list because if I don't, I'm going to forget something every time. And just recently, I got myself my little Apple Watch. I love it because I can sit here and I can just say, hey, Siri, don't do it. All right. But I can tell her because she'll, she'll interrupt me in just a minute. She's so used to hearing me talk to her. But I can tell her, remind me to do this. Remind me to do that. When I, you can even tell her to remind me when I get to Walmart what uh, what I need. And it, it's so cool to be able to have those reminders. I'm so grateful that I have those in my life. And God gives us that exact same system. He gives us a Holy Spirit that lives in us, and he goes with us wherever we go. Anybody ever go to the grocery store, and you get there, and you had a list of 10 items, and you, you forget one of them, and then you get home, and you, you get so mad at yourself because you're like, man, now i got to make another trip later this week because I messed up and I forgot something. Well, it's the same way in our life. But here we have the Holy Spirit that'll just give us a little nudge every now and then. And he'll say, hey, listen, there's, there's something that you need to take note of here. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit doesn't yell. He doesn't interject. You have to be listening for him. You have to be tuned into it. Knowing that we have the Spirit, though, it can give us a calmness and a confidence that no circumstance can shake. When you know I've got the Spirit in me, you know I'm not doing this by my own power. You know that, that you're not on your own. It gives you a confidence. You can walk with your shoulders squared because you're like, look, I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything that's going to happen. I don't know wh what is going to occur today, but I know whatever happens, I've got God with me. And if I will just slow down and listen to the Holy Spirit, he will give me the wisdom. He'll give me the right words to say. He'll help me to know the right choices to make. He'll help me to, to make the decisions that I need to make. In, in Luke chapter 20, there's a story where the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and the Herodians, these were three groups, they did not even like each other. But what brought them all together was a common enemy. None of them liked Jesus. The reason they didn't like Jesus was because he was shaking things up. He was stirring up the people. He was, he was undermining their power. And so they got kind of upset with him. And so they decided they were going to lay a, a little trap for him. And so in this passage, they come to him, and we're going to read here, Luke chapter 20, it says, Teacher, they said, we know that you speak and teach what is right and are not influenced by what others think. You teach the way of God truthfully. Well, that's a little flattery for you. Anybody here ever been flattered before? And you, it's like, okay, what, what's your angle? What are you coming for? I know you got something in mind, right? They don't just come up and say, oh, you're so good looking today and smart. You're my favorite co-worker, right? What, what's your angle? What are you aiming for? But Jesus saw through that. They said, now tell us, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? 
Now, if you don't know the context there, uh, this was a pretty big controversy of the day because they were a people under under, uh, imperial rule. They had an outsider that had come in and had taken over their land and said, not only are we taking over and we're in charge, but now you have to pay us taxes. And to pay those taxes, you're going to use this money that is that the Jews viewed as blasphemous because the money had the image of the emperor on it and it called him a god. So to even pay the tax, you had to go and trade in your your good Jewish money and you had to trade it in and get that blasphemous money and then go down and pay this tax to an empire that was a godless empire in their mind. So this was a big controversy and so they thought, we're going to trick Jesus, we're going to nail him to the wall. But it says... He saw through their trickery and he said, show me a Roman coin whose picture and title are stamped on it. Caesar's, they replied. Well, then he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. Now, Jesus, he was a cool, he was cool as a cucumber right there. Because if you know, these guys are coming to get me. They're trying to trick me. They're trying to get me to say something that's false or get me to say something that's going to get me in trouble. That can be something that will get you a little nervous, get you a little anxious. But Jesus wasn't nervous at all. Why? Because he had the Holy Spirit there giving him the right thing to say at the right time. And he trusted that, that God was not going to steer him in, incorrectly. Because he was uh, uh, led by the Spirit, Jesus was able to speak the truth fearlessly. How many of you want to be able to speak the truth fearlessly? How many times in our lives that we know the truth? We know what needs to be done, but we're afraid to make that stand. But when you have the Holy Spirit in you and leading you, you don't have to have fear anymore because you're only doing what God asked you to do. When we stay open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, He will guide us with words of extraordinary wisdom. I don't know about you, but, but you know we all have that friend that we know is, is super smart. You know, If I need advice, I'm going to go to this person. You know, I, if there's a question I have about cars, I know who to call because this guy knows everything about cars. If I have a question about, you know, I want to build me an AR and I, I know the right guy to call because he's going to tell me all the right parts that I need to get to build that gun that I want. We, we all have that friend who's an expert in some way. But better than being an expert in cars or finances or guns or whatever else would just be being an expert at life, at living a godly life. And when we have the Holy Spirit in us, that's the best resource that we can have. A lot of us, when, when we get into a situation where we have to respond to something, we respond quickly. We want to be fast. We want to, be, we, we, we want to respond quickly, and we don't even allow ourselves time to think and speak. But the people that I respect most and the people that I'm trying to be more like is not those ones who just give a pat response as quick as they can. You know, some of us, we have our response ready before the other person is even done talking. But what we need to do is we need to slow ourselves down a little bit for two reasons. Number one, if you slow yourself down, you're listening a little better, right? Because sometimes we get so worked up that we're responding to something that the other person didn't even say, right? So you slow down and give yourself time to think things through and think through what your response is. But you also allow some space for the Holy Spirit to speak. We all talk so fast. And it gets kind of frustrating sometimes when you're talking to someone and they're slow. But I think we can all appreciate that sometimes we need to slow down our speech. We need to slow down our thoughts. We need to rein things in a little bit and consider what we're going to say. Because here's the thing. There's no rewind button on our words. We can't take things back once they're said. So that's why we have to be careful and measure everything and make sure that the Holy Spirit is there. I was listening to a a man talk the other day, and he was saying, listen, if you want to help your relationships, he said, here's one question that's going to help you uh, more than any other. He said, actually, it's a series of three questions. He said, does this need to be said? Does this need to be said right now? And am I the one that needs to say it? He said, if you'll think through those things, because you think about it, you come home from work and maybe your spouse is there and they're frustrated because they had a bad day at work and they start uh, venting to you and you uh, you want to help out. So it's like, well, here, let me point out some things that you did that contributed to this situation. Or or maybe if you'd have done this differently, things would have been different. You know, sometimes that's not the right thing to say. Maybe that didn't need to be said because the person already knew. They just needed to vent. Or maybe it didn't need to be said right now while they're all upset or while you're upset. Or maybe you're not the person that needs to be saying it. 
So we have to consider those things, and the Holy Spirit will guide us in those things if we will slow down and listen to his promptings. It's hard to do, though, because we have our own internal dialogue going, plus we got everybody else out in the world telling us what to do. We have to quiet all of that sometimes and just say, God, what are you speaking into my spirit today? What is the, the, the step that I need today? What is the one next thing that I need to do? And God will give you guidance. The third thing that, that God uses to help us recalculate and, and to, to guide us is a community of saints. Now, we're here in this room, and I'm not calling all of you saints, because not all of you are saints. But guess what? One of these days you will be. And so with confidence, I can say that, that I am in a community of saints. Guidance is not an individual activity. In Psalm chapter 48, we're going back to that same psalm. It said this, it said, Oh God, we meditate on your unfailing love as we worship in your temple. Notice it doesn't say I meditate on your unfailing love as I worship. And, and the psalmist could have written that, but he said we meditate. Now, when we think about meditating on the word, I'm thinking about God, I'm praying to God, I'm worshiping God, I'm considering what he's written in scripture, we think of that as a very individual thing, but that's not the way God works. God gives us revelation and he does it in the context of a community. The temple was where the people came together to worship. They didn't come to worship individually. Imagine if we came in to, to the worship service and instead of all of us singing whatever song the, the worship team prepared for us and they've got the words, what if we all decided to sing our own worship song? That'd be chaotic. It'd be a mess. It wouldn't work. We don't all come and worship as individuals. We come and we do this together. We worship together. We meditate on the word together. We hear the word together. In our Bible study classes, we, we consider things. I love Wednesday night. We'll go through a lesson and then we sit down. My favorite part is at the end when I shut up and I stop talking and I let everybody else start sharing what God's put on their heart. Because I know what, when I read the passage of Scripture, I know what God has spoken to me in it, but I want to hear what God said to Paul and I want to hear what God said to Greg and I want to hear what God said to, to anyone else who was in the room too. Because here's the thing, on our own, sometimes we get things wrong. Anybody here ever been wrong? Okay, well, I'm glad you all have been wrong. I've never been wrong. But here's the thing, when, when, we, do, uh, when, when we try to interpret and, and decide everything for ourselves without listening to the wisdom of others, that's where we get in trouble. Proverbs 12, 15 says this, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. I don't want to be foolish. I want to listen to advice. And here's the reason why we need to listen to the advice of others. Now, some people, they don't want to. They said, no one can judge me. No one can tell me what to do. I'm, I'm the boss. You know, I, I'm the ramrod around here. I'm in charge. But here's the thing. God doesn't just speak to you. He speaks to other people too. It's pride that makes us say, I'm going to discount what everyone else says. Everyone else is telling me that I'm wrong. Everyone else is telling me that this is not how it should be. Everyone else is telling me that I'm making a mistake. It's pride that says, I'm not going to listen to them. Because God put those people into your life for a purpose. And here's another thing. We all have spiritual gifts. We've been talking about this on Wednesday nights, is that each of us is gifted in different ways. And did you know that there are some people that are in your body of believers that have special gifts that help them give good advice? Think about it. There's, there's at least three I can think of off the top of my head. The gift of prophecy, of, of knowing what's going to happen and, and of hearing God's uh, truth spoken into being. There's the gift of knowledge. Sometimes the Holy Spirit lets us know things that there's no way they should have known that. And then the last thing is discernment, being able to, to sift the, the, the wheat from the chaff and being able to know what's the right thing and what's the wrong thing. There are people who have special gifts from the Holy Spirit that help them to do those things. And if we're going to dismiss them just because, well, God didn't tell me that, that's where we get ourselves in trouble. And this is not just, our, not just other people's opinions. You know, I've, I've heard that before, is that, well, I don't need to listen to them because that's just their opinion, and everybody's got an opinion, and they all stink, right? You know, but the thing is, is God gives us a, a community of believers that are going to help shepherd us and guide us in the right way, because guess what? We're all going to make a wrong step. We're all going to make a wrong decision from time to time. We're all going to open our mouth and insert foot. It happens to the, to the best of us. 
And that's why we need other people around us, that community of saints that's going to give us a guidance system. The next thing is circumstantial signs. This next passage is from Deuteronomy chapter 32, and this is from Moses. It was towards the end of his life, and he sat down and, and he wrote this long, um, it, you could call it a song or a poem, but it was a meditation on the history of Israel, talking about what God had done for them and all the things that he, that, uh, the, the mighty things that he had done. And so here's what he wrote in verses uh, 10 through 14. He said, For the people of Israel belong to the Lord. Jacob is his special possession. He found them in a desert land, in an empty howling wasteland. He surrounded them and watched over them. He guarded them as he would guard his own eyes. Like an eagle that rouses her chicks and hovers over her young, so he spreads his wings to take them up and carry them safely on his pinions. The Lord alone guided them. They followed no foreign gods, and he let them ride over the highlands and feast on the crops of the fields. He nourished them with honey from the rock and olive oil from the stony ground. He fed them yogurt from the herd and milk from the flock together with the fat of the lambs. He gave them choice rams from Bashan and goats together with the choicest wheat. You drank the finest wine made from the juice of grapes. See, as Moses looked back on the experience that the Israelites had had, all he could see was the things that God had done to provide for them. And I think you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and if we look back on our life, we can see those times in our life where God was at work. Um, but Moses was trying to remind the Israelites, look, you guys are going into a scary time. They were getting ready to go into an extended military campaign. They, if they were going to get the promised land, they were going to have to fight for it. They were going to have to work for it. And that's the way it is in our life sometimes. Sometimes if we're going to get that blessing that God has in store for us, we're going to have to fight for it. So we need to know for sure that we've got God backing us up. Because if we've got to do it under, under our own power, all hope is lost. But if we've got God backing us up, God giving us wisdom, God giving us direction, then there's no way we can fail. So Moses was trying to remind them, hey, listen, you guys are about to face some things. Now, make sure you remember that God is at work. And here's the other thing. When we have God as our rock, he's solid, he's stable, he's dependable, he always comes through, he's reliable, he will be our rock. We can trust in his unwavering faithfulness, and he will always be there for us. So when, when things get rough, when you're like, I'm not sure that I can hold on much longer, we, we know that we have that rock. That rock is not going to give away. There was a story told of a, of a young British sailor. This was back around 1900 or so, but his ship got caught in a storm and got bashed against the rocks. The ship went down, and most of the sailors did not survive. But this young man survived because he was able to find one little pillar, one little jut of rock that was sticking up out of the ocean, and he grabbed on and he hung on for dear life. And he hung there for an entire day before they came and they saved him. And they interviewed him because as one of the few survivors and, and, and the story there, they, they wanted to know, well, what was it like as you, as you clung to that wet rock out in that storm in the middle of the ocean, not knowing if you were going to live or die? And the, the reporter said, you must have been shaking all night as you clung to that rock. And the, the sailor replied, he said, yes, I trembled all night with fear and cold, but the rock never trembled once. And that's what we have. We have a rock that will guide us. God is at work in our life. If you look back on your life, it's easy to, to forget sometimes the things that God has done for us. But sometimes it's good to sit down and just write down, yeah, I remember that time where Man, I, I, did, I got fired from my job, and I didn't know where my next paycheck was coming from, and, and I didn't have any answers. But then God sent this, this particular person into my life, and they pointed me to my next job. And, and, and that must have been God at work in our life. And when we look back on those things, we see that his fingerprints are all over our life. And here's the thing. If we know that God was working in our lives and he got us to here, why would he bring us to here and then just bolt? He wouldn't bring us to this place and then leave us on our own. So even though we not, might not be able to recognize what God is doing at this moment, because I'll tell you what, sometimes God is confusing. Sometimes God does things in a way that I would never expect. And I think, God, what are you doing here? I can trust and know that whatever he's doing, even if I might not do it the same way, even if I would prefer if it was done a different way, I can trust that his hands are still at work in my life. So 
if he's got you to this point, he's not going to abandon you now. That's just not logical. And I'm one of those logical people. I like things to make sense. I like to figure it all out. And, and, and I don't like not knowing. And, and so that's the hard part of faith for me, is that I don't always know what God's doing. But there's enough of it that makes sense for me to say, God, I'll trust you in the mystery. I'll trust you in the meantime, because you've done so much for me in the past. There's no way you're going to leave me hanging now. And so we stay firm there. If the musicians want to come forward, we're down to our last point. This is where what God, uh, the, the last thing that God gives us to guide ourselves, and that is common sense. Common sense. Voltaire famously said that common sense is not so common, right? And I think we can all look around at our neighbors and say, yeah, yeah, they don't always have, have it all together. And here's the thing, in that, in that passage that we read earlier where, where Moses was, was encouraging the Israelites and preparing them for what they were going into, he reminded them that, hey, God did all those things for you. You can rely on him, but you guys were also dummies sometimes. You guys also didn't do everything right, and so let's make sure that you're doing it the correct way. So here's what, here's what Moses said about his people. It's like, well, gee, Moses, thanks a lot. Here's what he said. He says, but Israel is a senseless nation. The people are foolish without understanding. Oh, that they were wise and could understand this. Oh, that they might know their fate. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone called me uh, senseless and foolish and without understanding, I'd be pretty offended by that. I wouldn't like it. Now, they might be right, you know, because I'm not the smartest guy. You know, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed always. But the point is, is that sometimes we need somebody to, to, to just point out and say, hey, you need to get yourselves together. You need to remember and do things the right way. So many of God's instructions that he gives us are just plain common sense, right? I mean, think about the Ten Commandments. You think, oh, well, these are, these are special rules that God has given us, but we should have known these things anyway. Don't kill each other? Well, yeah, that, that's pretty common sense. We shouldn't be killing each other. Imagine living in a world where we go around killing each other willy-nilly. It wouldn't be a good world, right? Don't steal from each other? That's another one. You know, I don't want people stealing from me, so I probably shouldn't be stealing from other people. That's just common sense, you know? Not, not telling lies, being truthful, honoring our elders and, and our parents. All of these things, they're common sense. And yet we needed God to, to come and tell us these things because we didn't have the common sense to follow those rules without that outside of ourselves. Here's the thing. If we, are know, if we know that we're traveling down a path that isn't taking us to the destination where we want to go, why do we not correct our course? So here's the thing. We all need God to sometimes come and recalculate for us and, and, and to point us in the right way. And here's how you do it. You, you have these five things that God gave you. He gave you a commanding scripture. He gave you a counselor spirit. He gave you a community of saints, circumstantial signs, and he gave you common sense. And if you don't use all of those things, then you're going to get off track. You're going to head down the wrong path. You're going to end up somewhere where you shouldn't be. Now, I don't know if you noticed, I was really clever, and all of these things start with the letter C and S. So I'm going to give you guys one more C.S., and this is C.S. Lewis. He said this. He said, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. How many of you guys have felt like that before? You felt like, man, I'm wasting my life. I'm chasing all these things, and they don't even matter. I was uh, reading a book this week, and it was talking about um, people, when they reached the end of their lives, there, there were five common complaints, five common regrets that they had. Nobody, as they get to their deathbed, said, man, I wish I would have spent more time at work. You know, Nobody says, I wish I would have bought that car. You know, it, it, it's not about things. It's not about stuff. And, and when we get to the end of our lives, we don't want to regret the, the choices that we've made. We, we don't want to regret, regret the decisions that we've made. And here's the thing. It's easy to get distracted. Distraction is, is natural. It happens to all of us. I mean, and, and we do it to ourselves. Every time I hop in the car, even before I put it in drive, I make sure I've either got my playlist dialed up or I've got my podcast rolling because I want to listen to the next the next episode of my podcast. So before I even put my foot 
on the, the accelerator, I've got my distraction ready before I hit the road. And here's the thing, when I'm driving down the road and I've got my GPS navigating and it's telling me whether I need to turn right or left or, or, or all of that, I get annoyed with it when it busts in and it, it breaks through my, my song. I might be in the middle of the song and I'm right at the good part. This is the part I love. And then here comes Siri telling me, turn right at the next light. And I get frustrated with that. I get annoyed by it. And here's the thing, though. If I didn't have that, I'm so into my song, I'd have driven right through. And here's the thing. God is trying to keep us on the right path. So let's not get annoyed when we read Scripture and it says, hey, you should have taken a left there instead of taking a right. We need uh, to not get annoyed or frustrated with the Holy Spirit when He nudges you and He says, hey, you shouldn't have posted that. We don't need to get frustrated when someone in our church comes to us and says, hey, I noticed that you haven't been to church in three weeks. Everything okay? You ought to be here. You know? Or we shouldn't get frustrated when... when uh, you know, we don't understand what God's doing in our life. And we especially shouldn't get frustrated when we know something's wrong and we do it anyway. No, you didn't need that half a pint of ice cream at 11 o'clock at night. You knew it wasn't a smart idea, and now you're up at 3 a.m. with a bellyache. You only have yourself to blame for that. So we shouldn't get frustrated when, when something comes along and points us in a direction that's better for us. And yet that's what we do. So as we come to this, this time at the end, does everybody got their big boy and big girl pants on today? Because I'm going to offend some of you today. Here we go. You ready? We go through life trying not to offend each other, but I'm going to offend you today, and I hope you love me anyway afterwards. How about Scripture? Are you reading Scripture? Are you doing it regularly? You don't have to read the whole Bible. You, some people want to read through the whole Bible in a year. Some people want to read through it in three months. Some people would be good to get through it in a decade. It doesn't matter how much you read, but are you in the Word? Stop making excuses and get in the Word. Maybe if we put the Bible on Netflix, we'd be more into it. I don't know. But stop making excuses and read your Bible, even if it's just a verse a day. You know, there are days when, when it, it's like I get to the end of the day and, and I realize I forgot to read my Bible today. And I'm a pastor. Here, I'm confessing. So what do I do? I go and I get my Bible right then and there because I want to make sure that I don't let a day go by without hearing from God's Word. Now, it would have been a whole lot better if I'd have heard it in the morning before I opened my mouth and made all those mistakes. But at least I got my nose in the Word. Here's the next one. How many of you guys are having trouble listening to the Holy Spirit or hearing from Him? Well, here we go. I'm going to offend you. Shut up. Now, my nieces tell me that's a bad word. So I'm, I apologize for saying a bad word. But anyway, sometimes we need to shut up and listen to God. We, we keep wanting to make excuses. We keep wanting to justify everything. Well, God, it's okay. He, she had it coming. He, he said the wrong thing. He, he did the wrong thing. He's not even a good guy. He deserved everything he got. But when, when the Holy Spirit's trying to guide us, we need to shut up and let God speak and actually listen. When it comes to community, how many of you guys are in church? I'm preaching to the people in church. I'm going to preach it to some of you on the camera. You need to get your butts back in church. That's one thing if you're sick. But you need to get here. Stop being lazy and get to the gathering. Oh, but then I have to iron my clothes and I have to put on my makeup and I have to drag the kids out of bed and they're, they're annoying in the mornings. Well, guess what? You're annoying too sometimes. Look, I'm trying to offend all of you. I hope I get you all. If you're missing the signs that God's putting in your life, open your eyes. Stop sleepwalking. Sometimes God puts up a sign and he says, go this way. And other times he puts up a big, fat, red stop sign. He says, stop, go no further, bridge is out. Stop sleepwalking. Pay attention to what God's trying to say to you. And when it comes to common sense, stop being a dummy. Do the things that God, that you know are going to help you in your life. God has given you all of these resources to help you point you in the right path. And if you're going down the wrong path, there's only one person to blame, and you can point all those fingers right back at yourself. God is trying to point you. So did I hurt anybody's feelings in here? If I, did I hit a little close to home for anybody? Uh, if I hurt your feelings today, I'm glad, because I hurt my own too, because I'm a dummy too sometimes. I don't always follow what God asks me to do. But here's the thing. When it comes to our walk with God, it's not about bootstrapping ourselves. It's not about willing ourselves into obedience. It's not about, you know, oh, I've got all the, the willpower to do 
things God's way, it's not about that. It's about surrender. It's about saying, God, you know how to get me where I need to go better than I could ever know. And so I'm going to stop and I'm going to stop trying to make my own way and I'm going to listen to you. So if the prayer team would come forward, here's the thing. Today, we might have some people in here that you've been headed down the wrong path. Maybe you've not been living the way that you should. Or maybe you've just not been paying attention to what God's trying to say to you. And if you need to recalculate a little bit today, then I want to give this opportunity for you to come and to pray. Because here's the thing. This is the community that, that I was talking about. This is the community of saints. Sometimes we need God. So if you've been headed down a, a wrong path, if you've been doing things the wrong way, and you need His help to get you back on the right track, today's the day. There's no better day to start than today. You know, the people always want to say, well, I'll start my diet on Monday. Don't wait till Monday. Start today. It's like, but I already ate cheesecake for breakfast. I don't, it doesn't matter. Make a healthy choice at lunch. You can start right now. And so God will help us. Or here's the other thing. Maybe you're facing a situation where you're like, God, I'm confused. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I, I have this person in my life and they're a knucklehead and I don't know how to talk to them. I don't know how to deal with them. Help me. Or maybe, maybe you're saying, I'm the knucklehead, God, and, and I know that I, I've got some anger. I've got some issues in my heart that are holding me back and they're keeping me from living the life that you've called me to live. So if that's you today, this is an opportunity to come forward and pray. And you say, well, why do I have to get up there and go up and pray with someone else? There's no reason. You can pray in your seat. But here, the Bible, you know, that, that, that's one of the things we're talking about. The Bible tells us that there's power when two of us agree together on something. So if you come forward and you tell one of these prayer team members who have prepared and, and they have spent time in prayer already this morning, so they're, they're already on the phone with God. They're, they've already got him on the line. And if you want to come forward and pray with them, they can help you and agree with you, and God can give you some wisdom and help you when it comes to recalculating. So praise team, I know you guys have got some uh, a song prepared. If anybody would like to come and pray today, the altars are open, and, and we ask you to come forward and let God help point you in the right direction.
I know I said I wanted to offend everybody, but I hope you all still love me. Sometimes we need to hear from God, and sometimes we need to have a, a knot jerked in our tail. That's what they used to say when I was a kid. Do you need a knot in your tail? So here's the point. We all make mistakes. Don't beat yourself up. Just make the next right decision and make sure you're doing it according to the directions that God gave you. He's given you a ton of resources. And if you need help with any of those resources, He's given you a community of people that'll stand with you, that'll pray with you, that'll give you wisdom and counsel and advice. Take advantage of it. God's trying to speak. God wants to help you live your best life. And you can if you'll follow His directions. Let's all pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father God, we thank you today for this time of worship, for this time of hearing your word. Lord God, I thank you that, that you can speak to us, Lord, even through an imperfect servant like myself. Lord Father, I pray that you would, would help someone and, and help everyone in this room to remind ourselves, Lord, that we're not just walking through life doing things on our own, Lord, but that we can live with power and we can live with purpose if we do it while seeking your presence. Father God, I pray that you would be with everyone in this town in this city. Lord, we have a lot of out-of-towners here today. Lord, I pray that you would just pull them to you. We, we desire to see people saved. Our loved ones, our friends, our family, our co-workers, we desire all of them to know you and to live life in accordance with you. Father, keep your hand of protection upon us all. Help us to live according to your principles. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.